Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. But so delighted that my first guest today is somebody who has really broken the mold. There was a time maybe a decade ago when the idea of racing being significant in Scotland was almost out of the window. Lucinda Russell has put it back on the map and she's been awarded an OBE. She's won Cheltenham Festival races and she's won a Grand National. And I think we are a little behind the time having you in the studio. It's great to have you here. I'm delighted to be here. It's, it's great. I mean, you talk about Scottish racing and Northern racing and we are really, really proud of it. I'm very, very pleased that we're putting it back up on the map, but uh, it's great. We've got a lot of support. And I, I, I don't think I'm wrong, am I? Sort of 10, 15 years ago, people were saying, well, you, you simply can't train good winners in Scotland. It, it seemed to be in, in reverse gear. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, it's about facilities, but it's mostly about getting the good horses. And um, now the image of racing is really good. We're attracting good owners and owners are investing in it. And while we probably don't have the sort of many, many thousands that some, some owners do have, we're, we're getting good horses and that's what it's about. It's about getting the good horses. So take me right back to the beginning when when you were a, a, a young girl, what did you dream of? Oh, I just wanted to have horses, that's all. I, I was the kid, you know, I'm not really from a racing background, I'm more from very much from a horse background, loved the ponies, um, just adored them and, and actually even now that still comes through it, you know, I'm happiest just going around the horses but um, I just wanted to do something within horse you know, looking after horses. I probably wanted to win a silver medal or a gold medal at the Olympics for show jumping, but um, that was that was changed and I found racing very easy. So I went down the route of point-to-pointing, training point-to-pointers, found it very easy. Um, I used to event, so getting a horse fit was very simple for me. Um, and uh, went into racing, found it easy, got better and better, and then Skew arrived on the scene. I have to say, he's probably taken the whole place up another level. You know, he he brought into it the professionalism, he brought into it um, just the knowledge of, of racing. And, and from there, uh, we sort of went on a bit of an upward trajectory. And it's it's great, and it's it's something I'm very proud of. Well, you've crammed a court into a pint pot there, but yeah, when, when, when you were just starting out, pre-skew, you know, pre your real knowledge of, uh, of horse racing and just wanting to, to, to have some kind of involvement with with horses what can you remember the first time you 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 were involved with ponies that that you that you sort of really had that connection with the, with the animal oh look i i wasn't my parents aren't horsey so all i really wanted to do was to have a pony and every christmas i used to write a little note dear mummy and daddy please can i have a pony please can i have a pony and um i was 10 before i got one but before that i'd made out lists of everything that i needed to have for my pony or the tack that i needed how i was going to you know get it fit everything um i was just obsessed Probably still am. And you don't know where that came from? It was just because you say your parents weren't, weren't horsey at all? I don't know. I think 
you know, any, any little girl that's had a connection with a pony, they, they understand it. It's just that whole, um, it's just being with them. And you know, if you fast forward it, so now we, we're very lucky. We, we have horses going in big races. And that's, what comes with that is the stress of looking after them, the, the fear of injury, the um, wanting to get the horse there in the best condition. And, you know, you can wake up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, is, is this right? Am I, am I doing it right? Mm-hmm. What if, what if? And all you have to do is go down to the stable, go to look at the horse, spend that time with the horses. I mean, I always say that about a horse and you're, you know, we're, we're always worried about him and you just go into a stable and there he is and he's, he says, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm a horse. And, and you have that connection with them. It's just, uh, that's magic. So actually, if you hadn't been informed by that from a young age, you wouldn't necessarily train the way you train. Is that what you're saying? So you, you understand animals. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think when, you know, other kids were listening to pop music or whatever, I was just spending time with the horses and, and learning how they... You know, learning learning how they communicate with you and learning how they um, how they act when they're when they're fit, when they're well, and when they're not fit. So, tell me about your childhood. Tell me about growing up in in Scotland. Um, really, uh, I suppose Scoot takes the Mickey out of me about this. You know, I had a very privileged childhood. I, I went to a very good all girls school. Um, hated every minute of it. Wanted to be at home. Looked out the window. Just stared and wanted to be outside all the time. They were a brilliant school. They they put through my exams. I got very good results. Off I went to university. Were you boarding? No, I wasn't. No, no I was day girl. So I used to I used to muck out my pony before I went. But um, yeah, I just just always wanted to be with horses. Pathetic, really, isn't it? Why? <laughs> I don't know. It's just. Uh, oh, I suppose my parents and my my brother definitely is always taking the Mickey out of me about wanting to be a horse brained. Um, half it actually, I think is what he called me. <laughs> he called you what? <laughs> we'll have to call a horse that now, won't we? Horse-brained half wit. Yeah. Um, what does your brother do? Uh, so he's very successful. He sells uh, gin and whiskey, and we have a, a company called Edinburgh Gin, and he's absolutely brilliant. And so he went into whiskey. the family business? He went into the family business, and he's extremely successful at it. I'm very proud of it. Um, delighted that he, he does that, and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't even own a horse, actually. I really should get him to do that. That's absolutely appalling. So what did your parents want for you? Uh, Mum and Dad have been brilliant. They, um, I suppose they just want you to be happy. It's like any parents, they just want you to be happy and be successful. And uh, the drive that I saw in my father, so he was selling whiskey as well, the drive that I saw in him and his business ideas, that's sort of been the foundation of my, my thing. I think, you know, OK, I love the horses, but I understand the business behind it. And, you know, you've got to... You've got to make sure that it's successful and, and how to sell it and how to sell the whole racing thing. So did he, t- tell me about his background, because he's obviously been incredibly successful as a, as a businessman. Um, was that in his family or did he, did he start from scratch? So you're going to get me going off on a tangent now. So um, the whiskey indu- industry is very much family based. It's, mm-hmm. it's always been, uh, it's been his relationship with other people. And I think that's what I've seen. And it's, Things are done on trust, things are done on a handshake, things are done on loyalty to other people. And I'd like to think that we bring that into our industry and the way that we deal with things. You know, you'll have noticed that we have, we're very, um, we have jockeys that work for us, they work exceedingly hard, and we expect people to work very hard for us. But if they do, we show them the loyalty. And uh, that's why Derek Fox rides our Grand National winner. That's why Derek Fox is, is, you know, riding all our horses. And we've got the young boys coming through. We've got Stephen Mulqueen. We've got... Connor, we've got Patrick, and they, we show them the loyalty because they show us the loyalty, and that's the. Um, so my whole business is founded on the same um, ideals that my father had in his his business selling whiskey. Did did you understand that as a as a young person? Did you understand his principles, his his business ideals? Did you did you figure that out from quite a young age? Yeah, I think so, and I think his um, 
I think you absorb it, don't you? You know, if you, if you get put into a situation, you absorb things. And I saw, you know, growing up, Dad wasn't there. He was he was on a plane to to France or to America or to um, Saudi selling selling drink. Um, and his his tenacity and his hard work is something that I, that you absorb. Um, and meanwhile, back at home, my mother adored her animals. She wasn't into horses, mm-hmm. but I saw that side of her and her her determination to keep working. And it it wasn't a case of stopping at five o'clock. You know, you have to keep on working. Tell me about your mother. Uh, Mum's great. She's um, she's very arty. She's a uh, I think so. You, you ha- you're either an artist or a scientist, and unfortunately, I've gone to the scientific side. She'd love me, love me to be arty, but I'm not at all. But uh, um, she's wonderful. Looks after, has an amazing sort of huge amount of animals, and she she cares for them. And you know, I, r- I remember in the middle of the night, she had a, an ill peacock or something. She'd put on her wellies and go out and check the peacock, and that's kind of what I do now. I go out, put on the wellies, go out and check the horses. So have you got a little bit of both? Then you've got that commercial side and the artistic side. Yeah, I wouldn't call it artistic, probably, but, well, maybe it's feeling. I, d- I don't know. I suppose that's right. It's um, a, a feel for things, but um, couldn't paint. <laughs> <laughs> so when did the idea of training racehorses really occur to you? Because you were you were an accomplished eventer. Yeah, I mean, um, so I love the eventing, um, and I still do, and I, I, I've seen it change. I, th- I think it's a fantastic sport, really, really enjoy it, and it certainly teaches you a huge amount of how to produce a horse well but it was quite complicated and you you do extremely well we've got an event up with us called Blair Castle mm-hmm. um, and I was delighted I was 14th there and then I thought hang on a minute I'm 14th that's not really it's not brilliant is it uh, and meanwhile I was training point to pointers and they were winning and that was sort of simple to me you know that you've got to do something that you're very good at mm-hmm. and so that's why I went into the point to pointing and then took because out the a top, a top 20 finish at an event like Blair Castle would be considered to be a relatively elite result, but as you say, finishing 14th is no fun if you like finishing first. Yeah, exactly, and I think it's a, it's a great achievement. I think that's something that, you know, the eventing has to address. Well, not address, but it's it, it's a the eventing is very much a heart sport. You know, you have to put your whole soul soul into it. And when I um, decided to go racing, I had to stop eventing because I thought you either do it 100% or you don't do it at all. And um, that's my attitude towards everything. You know, so I've thrown everything into racing. So. When was the, the moment where you thought, well, I want to do this wholesale, I want to throw myself into it, lock, stock and barrel? Um, just, uh, I had a very good horse, uh, so went point to pointing and then decided to take out my licence. And in those days it was very easy, you didn't need to do courses, you just had to go down and get interviewed and be a good person. And so you went down to the jockey club and we sat opposite side of a big table and I had an interview and I was deemed to be a good person and therefore able to train. But I didn't really know that much about it. I didn't know what a handicap was. So we, I bought a horse called Fively Builds, um, ran it at Perth and Andrew Thornton rode it. And uh, by chance, the race I entered it in, he was qualified for it, zero to a hundred handicap chase and he won. So I thought, well, that's easy. So now I'm a trainer and I can win handicap chases. And um, I just, I just loved it. I loved, loved the buzz from it, loved the whole, you know, the sport. I mean, we're talking about racing. What what's important about racing? It's the thrill of the chase. It's the mm-hmm. thrill of the. Uh, it's the sporting thing. And I often think. So a lot of our owners now will be in the sort of fifty-year-olds. They've they've enjoyed sport. They might have enjoyed rugby, but now they can come into racing because racing is a sport that is achievable. It's tangible. You can um, you can be very good at it, and you can have a horse that's very good at it, and you can put your uh, desire to win that you had mm-hmm. maybe when you were playing rugby or you were doing other sport, you can 
put that into a horse and, um, and follow it. And I think that's something that, you know, when we look at the owners that we have now, a lot of our owners will either be horse people, they'll be people that have achieved in other sports. Lucinda and I are now joined by the Racing Post writer, Jonathan Harding. Jonathan, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Nick. Good to chat on yesterday. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Did, did, were you were there yesterday? I was indeed, yeah. Unseasonably warm was the verdict. It was unseasonably warm. It was also a great atmosphere, I thought. Yeah, it was really good. I know we've been sort of going on about attendances and things, but there was a good crowd there and um, some fantastic stories. Cheltenham has a weird habit of throwing up these great tales, and we had lots to go at yesterday, which makes my job and yours a lot easier. And I thought, I thought an appreciative vibe as well, a good vibe in the place. No, absolutely right. And with Galore and with Oliver Sherwood's winner will come on to, there was just a real positive atmosphere. The warm weather helps, of course, but it was no really good days racing. Galore won the Paddy Power Gold Cup of 2022. Still only a six-year-old. Seems to have been around forever. Got a brilliant ride from Johnny Burke. Did an awful lot wrong, but the result was right, Lucinda. Oh, absolutely. And it's a, you know, he'd, he'd been off for, uh, he was a good novice chaser, wasn't he? And then he was off for a while. Um, had a nice run back when he was third. And I just thought his performance yesterday was superb. And his trainer is Jamie Snowden, who's with us now. Jamie, good morning. Morning, Nick. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, but probably not as well as you. Um, Good celebrations last night. Yeah, I'm not sure the uh, I'm not sure the Gold Cup was uh, lacking any champagne from about three o'clock yesterday afternoon until uh, about three o'clock this morning. So um, plenty of uh, plenty of champagne drunk out of the out of the Gold Cup in the pub. So tell me this: How long has this day or that day been in the planning? Um, so obviously he was a very good novice chaser. He won the Rising Stars down at Wincanton and and was um, was placed in the in the Henry VIII and the Pendle. Um, we decided, I, I don't know whether you remember that year, it was obviously COVID and, and owners weren't allowed to go to Cheltenham that year, um, but they could go to Aintree. So uh, as a team, we decided to avoid Cheltenham and we were going to head to Aintree. Um, unfortunately, he picked up an injury uh, in, in the lead up to, to Aintree and um, he just got, got a bit of, bit of a hole in uh, a tendon there. And um, I phoned up the owners and I said, listen, don't be, don't be, don't be too sort of worried about it. We'll, we'll come back and we'll win the Paddy Power in 2022. Um, so, uh, oh, stop it. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what it's like, you, you, you know, every sort of bit of bad news, we, you try and temper it with a bit of a, a bit of enthusiasm. And, um, I listen, it's all very well saying it, but for it to actually come off quite like that was, uh, was incredible. So it's been a long time in the planning is the answer to the question. Um, was that time off, do you think it was a blessing in disguise in some respects? It, it, it allowed him to mature and develop without putting too much pressure on him? You're, you're, totally. Um, you couldn't have said it better. I, obviously, we went novice chasing as a four-year-old. Um, he came from France. We were utilising his weight for age allowance as a, as a four-year-old over, over fences. And um, although he had a, a, a wonderful season, in many respects, he may have struggled the following year um, uh, he would have been in, in at the deep end as a, as a very young horse. So actually having that enforced time off, although um, it's never never what you want, in hindsight, perhaps it's it's helped sort of um, in, in his preparation for, for yesterday. I, I said yesterday, and I might be a bit cruel saying this, but I, I, I said it was the working was all wrong, but the answer was right. It didn't go completely smoothly through the race, but he was still well handicapped enough to, to win. Was there any point in the race where you thought, well, I just don't want to watch anymore. This is all going wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. And, and obviously Lucinda will sit next door to you. She'll, she'll say there are times in races where you're watching it as a trainer and you're just always happy. Um, and you, you you kind of think 
you pinch yourself, but you kind of think that you're in the perfect spot and everything's going well and, 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 and you're always going to win. Um, never once in that race did I think we were going to win. Um, it was only jumping sort of the second last. You thought, well, listen, he might might stay on and, and pick up a, a bit of place money. And, and then you know, he sort of bunny hopped the last. And um, yeah, you only thought he was going to win sort of 50 yards from the line. So uh, no, it was incredible. Johnny Burke is a bit of an unsung hero, isn't he? Yeah, he's a he's a he's a very good jockey. Um, there's no, there's no doubting that. Um, obviously, Ga- Gavin rides rides most of our, our team. Page Page is our number two, but um, Page is obviously off off injured at the moment. So um, John Johnny's very kindly stepped in and, and helping us out where where Gavin can't ride, and and he came in for the ride on this lad, and yeah, it, it worked brilliantly. Uh, you you mentioned Paige Fuller there, and and I. I, it was remiss of me not to, 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 to mention her before. She had a she had a stroke a few weeks ago. How's she getting on? Yeah, good. Yeah, um, she's doing okay. Um, obviously, she had a stroke in the middle of a race, which is um, <laughs> obviously not not ideal. Uh, thankfully, she managed to pull the horse up and and, and got off, and and um, we obviously got her off to hospital. But um, no, she's she's okay. Um, she's she's not riding out yet, but she's um, back in the yard, and she's obviously a, an instrumental sort of part of our team. So. Um, she's back in the yard most days and, and, and helping with a bit of schooling and teaching the young jockeys and a bit of race planning and what have you. So um, she's, a, she's a big part of our team here. Good to know. Send her, send her our best. Um, as far as this horse is concerned, what next for him? Well, uh, obviously, it was only three weeks from the old row and to, to the Paddy Power. And I was very conscious that everything needed to go right in that time. We wanted to get a run into him at Market Raisin um, to allow us four weeks Um but, but the ground was obviously a bit quick and we couldn't risk him. So we had to go to the old row and it was only three weeks from, from, from then till Cheltenham. So um, that was tight. Um, and I think for, for now, let's just um, dab the brake pedal and, and enjoy yesterday and, and work out where we go. Obviously, there, there, there are various handicaps over two and a half. There's that one at Cheltenham in, in, in early Jan. Um, I, I do think we want to be going up and trip at some point. Um, mm. There's obviously the sky. I think it's the sky bet chase at Doncaster, um, two miles seven, the end of Jan. Um, I but but certainly for for now, let's um, obviously everyone's sort of mentioning the, the the race back at Cheltenham in December. But I, I think on the back of you know a long layoff and 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 three you know two two runs within three weeks, I think let's just dab the brake pedal and drink some more champagne and have the Gold Cup. <laughs> You've had some very good days in your career. You were a Cheltenham Festival winning trainer. How does yesterday compare? Uh, we we obviously had a Cheltenham Festival winner pretty early in our career, and and um, you know so many people said to me in, in, enjoy it, and and um, ah these these races don't come around very often, um, as 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 we all know. And um, when a big race like that happens, it's I don't know you, you kind of don't appreciate the. The, the first couple is quite as much as perhaps you should so um, we'll, we'll certainly enjoy enjoy yesterday Alright Jamie thanks so much well done Thanks very much Nick Jamie Stoden trainer of Galore the winner of yesterday's Paddy Power Gold Cup um, talking of winning big races you've won the biggest of them all the Grand National with one for Arthur and we didn't speak about that um, a few moments ago It just try and tell me how how that whole day unfolded for you and how it felt as a as a team it's funny so just listening to Jamie I absolutely understand everything that he's saying it's all about making a plan mm-hmm. and uh, with one for Arthur we'd uh, almost made a plan 
I don't know, the year before, how we were going to do it. And everything that we did, it just worked right. So um, we'd done the, the sort of previous races and then we, he won the classic chase at Warwick uh, in the sort of middle of January. And then we decided about the next thing's going to be the national. So we'd actually, get, I remember we'd given him a week off in the field and then done a week's trotting because mm -hmm. he was a horse that didn't take an awful lot of work. And uh, I remember someone was, uh, was it Pipes Horse was winning at Haydock and I was thinking, gosh, my horse has only just started cantering again. And, but the whole plan had been to go for that day. And so actually when we got to Aintree, nothing had gone wrong. I think he'd lost his shoe once in eight weeks, but that was it. Everything was right. And so you actually get very calm. You, you, you watch the race very calmly because what, what gives you the anxiety is if things are wrong. If you, if you go there and you're lying to yourself and you say, oh, it's right, but it's not, and you know at the, your heart that it's not right. And then we have Derek Fox, who's just a, he's just a, a genius, really, isn't he? So he doesn't panic. Well, you the tell race. me, is it what, what 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 is it about him? Um, he doesn't panic. He's got a very a very cool mind through a race. He can, he's brilliant at reading a, you know, the, the pace of the race. He and Scoo talk all the time, um, and uh, you know, you were never worried. I, I, I have full confidence when he's riding our horses that there aren't going to be any of those stupid mistakes you know he's he's very very sensible about things um and very powerful and very rides the finish very well because you you are a rider to a high level are you hard on jockeys um i'm probably harder on the jockeys and skewers but really? I, leave, I leave the jockeys to skew because he's he knows about it and i'd never say to a jockey what to do or whatever that is totally between skew and him and i i like to think I'd, i like people to have respect for me and i'm not going to ruin that respect by telling people things that I don't know about. So um, he deals with the jockeys all the time. And I've learned a lot from Scoo about how to ride in the race. Shame I'm not a jockey. <laughs> <laughs> how, how good a jockey do you think you'd have been? Pretty good, I'd say. I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably a better trainer anyway. Um, the first time I met you was at a Grand National Weights lunch. Oh, gosh. In about 2005, four or five. And I was sitting next to, to you, but the place name said Carrie Ford because she was riding Forrest Gunner, and you and Carrie had swapped, because you thought it would be a good laugh to try and convince everybody around the table you were actually Carrie Ford and not Lucinda Russell. Yeah, I think I probably... <laughs> You've got to enjoy these things, OK? <laughs> and uh, Carrie and I, uh, we do look very, fairly similar. We've got the same hairstyle. And um, people were always asking me, you know, how, how's Forrest Gunner going? And I said, no, I'm not Carrie Ford. And so when we got to the weights lunch, I said, should we just swap places? So we swapped places, and uh, it was all going swimmingly well until <laughs> I think it was Jeff Lester asked he me. He was the other side of you. Yeah, asked me about my children. And the I thing thought, is, I'd already met you, so I knew it was you. Yeah, yeah, it was just. Uh, was anyway. very, I was very happy to play along. It was a, it was a great. You know, those Aintree Waits lunches, are, <laughs> they always tell a story. There's always a great, great story that hopefully doesn't get out into the press too often. Did you think then, though, that when you were pretending to be Carrie Ford, actually, several years later, you'd win a Grand National before <laughs> she did? <laughs> Not at all. I mean, Carrie and I, she's, she does amazing. She does the racing to school mm. stuff now. And, you know, we talk about staff and stuff. That is probably promoting the sport as much as anything, getting those school kids to, to get involved in racing. I think it's great. I think one of the, one of the developments in, in horse racing that is talked about the least and should be talked about the most, Jonathan, you, you see... So many kids coming to the races with, with Carrie and, and, and with Ollie McPhail, and no one really makes anything of it. No, but it's a wonderful initiative, isn't it? And it's about, that's a very important first step, I think, getting the kids in. 
it's then making sure that there's a logical path from there, which perhaps has been missing a little bit. It's a very big leap from ha being young, mm -hmm. having an interest in racing, getting involved with horses to right off to a racing school. There's almost, it's where those sort of riding clubs and things are quite important. But this is interesting because, as I said to Lucinda earlier, so often guests on this programme, and, and they're right to, bemoan the fact that they can't get staff, that there are no pathways into the sport for young people, yet you're finding a way of doing it. What, why isn't this transposed across the industry? Yeah, I mean, it's great. That, so when the, when the tote stopped, there's a lot of money around, and, and we set up a thing called the Scottish Racing Academy, yeah. and we do exactly what you're talking about. We try and get that pathway. So um, kids at school in the borders can do a degree, one or one of the, or not a degree, but they can do a module in horse racing. So it's getting the, the children, so like myself, you know, the kids that look out the window and say, I'd rather be outside riding horses, they can now learn about racing at school. Mm. And that, how good is that? You know, that's, that's what we should be doing, is getting them, I mean, I wish that was around when I was a kid. <laughs> it it would have been deadly if it was around when we, yeah. <laughs> we were um, but that's and that's how we're going to that's how we're going to take the sport forward is by getting the children going. I mean, the other thing I think racecourses should do. I'm sure insurance probably wouldn't let it, but why don't we do pony rides at the racecourses? You know, get people understand about the horses so that when they're going there with their mum and dad, oh, I don't want to go racing, they can go racing, ride a horse. pony, sit in the horse, and start to enjoy the sport and realise that it's about horses as well as about gambling and as well about winning. Yesterday at, um, at Cheltenham didn't just provide us with uh, Galore's victory in the, in the Paddy Power Gold Cup. It threw up all sorts of interesting stories. And, and the, one, um, the one refrain that keeps running through my head and, and has done since, since yesterday lunchtime when Jane Mangan introduced the racing from NACE with there'll be more Cheltenham Festival winners come out of today's racing at NACE than there will be at Cheltenham. I'm not sure she's right, Jonathan. No, I'm not convinced. We saw some really impressive performances. I mean, uh, Paul Nichols' horse, Hermes Allen, was exceptional. Um, and I Banbridge was pretty um, good yesterday. Yeah, uh, yeah Banbridge, completely professional performance. He sort of first try of offences was really impressive, but then to step up into a grade two and, and jump as well as he did, I mean, the options are open for him, whether you go Arkle or, or the Turners, but... It was just a, he's a consummate professional and, and a word for Tommy's Oscar as well, he ran a huge race in second. Yeah, and I think Tommy's Oscar proved that he can be effective at Cheltenham, which is, which is quite important. But were you impressed with, with Banbridge, Lucinda? Yeah, I was, but, you know, I agree with everything you say. Tommy's Oscar's no mug, you know, he's, mm. he's a good horse. We've seen him up, up in the north. He's, he's, he, he looks now as if he might be a better chase than he was a hurdler, which is, which is a great thing. So... I think the form should be solid. And he just knows how to win, doesn't he? That's the point. They'll be, they will find opportunities for him. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think um, as he improves over fences, as Banbridge improves over fences, I think that there are two horses that I'm definitely going to be following before March. There was something about Banbridge yesterday, Jonathan. I mean, you, you get a horse who stays two and a half miles in a two-mile race. You know that if he can hack the pace, that you're in, you're in good nick. No, you're absolutely right. And he just ate the hill up didn't he just the way he powered up through up the hill was really impressive and I don't know maybe I'd be tempted to see whether he could stick it at two miles because his jumping was really slick to my eye anyway Lucinda I have a better idea but it seemed really slick really clean he's and you almost think he's not a slow horse no. either so a, a very nice headache to have he seems born to jump fences his trainers on the line now Joseph O'Brien good morning morning Nick how are you I'm very well. Now, I know you are, um, well, you said at the beginning of the year you were kind of scaling back a little bit 
with the jumpers and just keeping a bit of an a, a elite team. This isn't a bad team captain, is it? No, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, he looked looked look very nice yesterday. Um, um, delighted for for Ronnie and Ian and everyone um, um, involved in the horse. And um, he's an exciting horse, you know, for the season ahead. And what was the thinking behind coming back to two miles? Was it an, was it was it with the idea that you might be campaigning him as an Arkel horse? Um, well, I suppose as much as anything else. Um, Nick, we, 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 we feel that probably heavy ground is not his thing and, and you know the ground was nice in Chetland and um, you know Ronnie had discussed that we'd enter him up in a few different races you know over the last few weeks and that we would make the decision you know as we got closer to the time and when we saw the entry for this race and what the ground was going to be like and uh, spoke spoke to Ronnie about it. He was keen that this was the race that we we would we would go to with him, and um, and you know looks like it was a good move at the moment. So how do you how do you think you're going to pick your way through the rest of the campaign? Yeah, well I suppose that the, the obvious next race for him is the Drinmore and Fairy House, which is back to two and a half, um, but that may come a little bit soon. So 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 he has that entry, and we'll we'll see about that closer to the time. And, and then from there, there is the two races at Christmas time, one Leperstown, one Limerick, one is two miles, and one is two and a half. So, so I suppose it's you know those races, one of those three races, um, are probably the obvious ones for his next start. And and um, um, you know we won't get sucked into making any decisions today. What do you think is his absolute optimum? If you could design a race for him, a top-class race for him to win, what do you think it would be? It's not, I, I don't know, Nick. Um, obviously, when a horse can, you know, he obviously has the pace for two miles, but before yesterday, I was a little bit worried about the drop-in distance. Mm-hmm. I thought that probably he was uh, going to be more of a, a two-and-a-half-miler. And, you know, obviously, we actually ran about three miles even last year. Obviously, it didn't make much sense looking back at it now, but 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 we we did see him as a horse that that would stay. But um, I mean, looking at his race yesterday, to my eye, he looked like a horse that had plenty of pace, and particularly the way he jumps. Um, but you know, good stayers are horses that you know have to compete at the top level later in their career. They 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 generally have the pace to compete at a good level over a shorter trip, you know, in their younger days. So hopefully if he's a horse that can go further in time, um, um, but I suppose at the moment, two, two and a half, it looks, looks like a good trip for him somewhere there. And I, and I said you were sort of slightly scaling back the jumps team and maybe focusing much more on your um, incredibly successful flat career. What's the, what's the balance likely to be over the next year or two? Yeah, well, we're 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 well well done on on kind of jumps numbers and runners compared but, to what. But we by design, been. yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared compared to what we would have been in the last couple of years, and uh, um, you know, I think you can't can't um, do absolutely everything, and we were keen that you know we would we would um, uh, not not build any more stables. We were happy with the number that we have here. And as a result, we, we we had to you know scale back one of the one one of the disciplines, and and um, obviously you know we we have a good great team of, of flat horses, and we're very lucky to have them. We're just going to take a little bit of a U-turn here because I want to uh, look back on last week and uh, it's only eight days 
since Charlie Appleby had another treble at the Breeders' Cup to, to match his treble last year. And he's flown to Dubai and he's on a tight time schedule and he, he's taken a little bit of time out to join us now. Charlie, good morning. Good morning, Nick. Thanks so much for, for, for joining us. You, no rest for the wicked. You're, you're off to Dubai. What's the, what's the, what's the plan? I was just here for a couple of days and going on to Bahrain. We've got uh, one runner in the Bahrain International Air Royal Fleet. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to going there at uh, the weekend. And then uh, he'll, be, he'll be a very competitive runner, hopefully. And then we'll then head back to the UK. A wonderful Breeders' Cup for you again. Um, how big a part of your year is that now? How, how, how early in the season do you start plotting and planning that? Because people are thinking, well, hang on a minute, you, you, you can't just back-to-back three timers at a, at, a, at, a, at a fixture like this? No, it's very much part of our calendar here, as, as, as all the festivals are, to be honest, Nick. Uh, you know, we you know, obviously we start off in the spring there, you know, at, uh, at Newmarket, and then we head to York, and we on, on to Ascot and Epsom and Goodwood and back to York again. So, you know, we, we always, you know, have these festivals very much highlighted on the calendar there and, and, and try and, you know, hopefully pick the right team to, to be there at the right time of the year. I asked you once what you enjoyed most about training racehorses and you said picking the right races for the right horses. Do you think that is what fundamentally has characterised your success? I think so, Nick. But I, I, I like to think so anyway. Um, you know, the experience that obviously I gained you know, back in the years when I was travelling uh, for, for Saeed uh, around the world, you know, I felt we, 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 we gained a little knowledge then and then obviously you can't beat, so, you know, cutting your teeth yourself, as they say, and trying to pick the right horses and sometimes getting it wrong and then trying to work out why you got it wrong. But, um, you know, I feel that we're in a position now that um, we've got a, a pretty good handle on, on, on what we need to be taking uh, around the world to be competitive. So, for example, if you're training horses to, to win races in North America, which you've done with an almost ridiculous level of success, what are you identifying in those horses? Because you've got loads of good ones... But what makes what makes it right to get that horse on the plane to, to, to go to to go to the states? Firstly, sort of mentally, you know, whether they can you know take the take the travelling. As we all know, that that's, that's probably one of the biggest challenges they have to take on board. Um, as much as they, you know, these horses do go around in pretty much uh, first class. Uh, you know, it's 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 the changing of you know adapting to the training um, facilities and and the different style of training. We're slightly got a a little bit of an advantage because you know, a good few of our older horses would have travelled to Dubai anyway, or some of the two-year-olds as well. Uh, and so they would have you know, already taken a bit of that experience on board uh, and a different style of training on, on, on the, you know, the American-style uh, tracks. So, um, you, know, that, that's, you know, that is an advantage that we have. Um, and going forward from there on, then you, you know, you've got to then hopefully you know, get the horse that's got the, got the ability to be able to do it. But secondly, you know, kind of suit those... You know, quick ground and tight tracks, basically. So they've got to be able to travel. Uh, as the, the beauty of all six European winners at last weekend's Breeders' Cup is that I think all six are going to stay in training. Um, how do you see modern games as 2023 panning out? Look, he's, uh, you know, I spoke after the race, Nick. You know, he, he's a horse that... Uh, he's a typical Dubawi. He's just rock solid. Um, you know, how do we see it panning out going into his royal career? He start the season off, you know, probably at Newbury there, mainly probably working back from a from a Queen Anne, um, and then and then whether we look to start travelling again beyond that. But um, I'd like to think we priority will be working back from Royal Ascot uh, mm. for a Queen Anne with him.
and because there's no Baid next year as well, you've almost got that Myling division beautifully open for you domestically. Yeah, for sure. Well, hopefully. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Nathan Trail, he stays in training as well, so he's going to be another exciting horse to get back on track, on, the, on back to a mile and back on a sound surface. Uh, the you know, forgotten the, horse, really, isn't it? Yeah, for sure, exactly. I mean, no, no, thankfully, not, but too many people have been asking where he's been. But, you know, at the end of where has he been, Charlie? The autumn. <laughs> he's been at Bolton Palace, but, the, 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 you know, we knew going into the autumn, or going into the yeah, autumn, that the ground would be going against him. He'd had a sort of a, a, a toughish campaign there uh, uh, early doors, and we sort of knew that where Modern Games was going to be. Um, I mean, Modern Games wasn't—it wasn't his. You know, as we've spoken about his original target wasn't going to be Champions Day, but uh, he—you he, know—he ended up uh, as taking part in the lineup and, and running a, a, a very solid race, yeah. an incredible race on ground that we knew was was most definitely against him. Uh, Native Trail. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to do that just sheerly because of the ground. And we knew that. So he was put away for the winter and uh, with very much the eyes for looking forward to getting going next spring. Now, I always take your first answer because your first answer is always right. You were the one who said Caribus was, was going to win the Guineas back in September last year, and, and he did. Um, you were also the person who said that Rebels uh, Romance would be the, the horse for the Breeders' Cup turf before you changed your mind and said it was going to be Native Trail. So I'm, I'm always going to take your first answer as the right one. Um, who do you think is your best two-year-old at the moment? Noble Style. You know, he's, uh, he's a horse that, um, you know, he's unbeaten. He, you know, he, he broke his maiden impressively. He went and backed it up with a, after a bit of a, a layoff there at Newmarket, uh, winning the novice, and then obviously going on then to to win the gym crack in, in, in a very pleasing fashion. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he got collet there before we were due to take uh, our next run in, uh, in being the, the, the middle park. Uh, but I see no reason why this horse won't uh, step up in trip uh, for sure. So he's a horse, at the end of the day, he, 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 he's there as, as one of our high-profile two-year-olds. I was delighted what Silver Knot did there yeah. um, at the Breeders' Cup. You know, he, he's a, another horse. Physically, we could, it's been only a bonus what he's achieved so far this year. You know, he, he's definitely in his first foal. He's only going to get better um, as a physical. And so uh, you know, he's put himself very much in the pecking order of, of being, a, you know, in the trials in the spring. He should have won this, shouldn't he? It's, it's very easy to say afterwards, but yeah, it was a great race. Uh, look, uh, Nick, all credit. I, I, the one thing I took about Victoria Road was when I saw him walking around a paddock, he was a strong individual, very I thought, a mature two-year-old. I loved the way he paraded beforehand as well. Uh, our horse was always, got, I felt was going to be the challenge for him mentally was, was going and doing what he did, but I was delighted with what I saw with our fella. But I like to say, I, I do feel as though he's going to um, progress from, from two to three. What's Rebels Romance going to do next year? He will... Uh, Shipped to Dubai this winter, uh, you know, obviously working back from a from a Shima Classic, yeah. uh, and then I would hope that he'd be sort of joining the likes of uh, Ubeer in, uh, you know, going back on the North American tour or out to America to the Man of War, and, you know, races like that. So um, yeah, he's been a horse that, uh, as we've spoken about since he switched to turf, he's just uh, you know done nothing but pleases, and and uh, you know what on the performance that he put in there on uh, last Saturday. He's, a, again, a very exciting horse going into next year. You joked with me after the race that you'd watched him work on the dirt during Breeders' Cup week, and you, 
you thought, God, I could actually run him back on the dirt again. Would you ever think about it? Not just yet, not what he's doing on the on the turf, to be honest with you. The one thing about him is that on the on the dirt is he, he does just tend to break a little bit slow from the gate and, and, okay. and therefore it, it doesn't really ever put you into that sort of positive position. So, you know, um, uh, and like I say, I don't see any reason to switch back to dirt for the, for the foreseeable future anyway. You've pretty but he much. Got... I mean, he's a horse that, uh, he's a lovely horse to watch going training on the dirt, I have to, as I mentioned there before. Yeah, and he's a big, powerful horse. You've you've all you've all but got your fingers on the on the uh, on the trainers' championship. Why does this trainers' championship mean more to you than perhaps people might realise? I just think it's been it's been a you know a great season and, and it's been good fun uh, with, with William and like I say it's it's it's, it's far from rubber stamps as yet. Um, but uh, what I take great pride in from the team is you know we also in the spring. You know, we had Native Trail, we had Caribus and, and, and Modern Games go and do what they did in the Guineas, and that was, you know, fantastic. And, uh, you know, for what they've done throughout the season, I've, I take great pride in, in, in turning off at these festival meetings and, and, and all running well and, and holding their form throughout the season. You know, we haven't had that standout horse, which is always important to uh, to you during the course of a championship. But, you know, I wouldn't say, we haven't had that, but they've all ran solid throughout the season. So... Now, if we can maintain that for the next uh, next few weeks, few weeks now, uh, we'll uh, we'll hope. All right, Cheltenham and Navin this afternoon. Cheltenham yesterday as well, one of the most impressive winners. Well, the most impressive winner at Cheltenham yesterday was uh, Queen's Gamble, who won the bumper by daylight. For Johnny Burke, the hero of the day, with his win on Galore earlier, of course, and Oliver Sherwood, who I'm hoping is with me now. Oliver, good morning. Morning, Nick. How are you? Uh, well, not as well as you, I would imagine. Um, that was tremendous yesterday from Queen's Gamble. I, I saw you earlier in the afternoon. Uh, that must have been a lot of box walking, I would think, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, no, you always like, I've always liked the filly, you know. She's always been uh, nice at home. But obviously, when Nicky's horse came out, you're suddenly favourite and uh, everything. So and we hadn't had, we'd had nothing... No winners in the past pre previous sort of few weeks, so we're rather hitting the woodwork with seconds and thirds and fourth, which is frustrating. But it's only a matter of time before they were going to sort of hit, hit the form, and it was just fantastic the way she did it. More than anything, let alone winning, just the way she did it, it was in such a authoritative manner. Um, you've been training horses an awful long time, and thanks, this was a thanks, Nick. <laughs> uh, this was you've trained some very very good horses. When you started training her, did you think she could be special, or has she surprised you? No, she surprised me a bit. Um, I thought she was nice. Uh, the only thing which worried me, which I said actually after she won um, in April, was she's still a shell of a horse. She's um, She looked quite light, uh, but that's in her DNA. Uh, and speaking, when she first came to me, or when I, I saw her that way, I spoke to Jessie and... I met Kate Harrington somewhere, and they said her mother, who they trained, uh, was exactly the same when she was eight or nine. So that gave me a lot more confidence uh, about her. Uh, and I think that's just the way she is. She's just a leggy filly, and um, she's never going to be robust. But the answer to your original question is, you, it's the same as when I have many clouds. You always think they're nice, but you never dream you're going to win nationals and listed races and bumpers. You always hope. 
but uh, I haven't got the ammunition of the Willie Mullinses and Nickies and P. Nicholses and etc. But um, it was just just a lovely way to get the season going properly, you know. Absolutely. I mean, the obvious question is, what do you do with her now? She is only a four-year-old filly. Uh, she's won incredibly impressively. But you've got the whole season lying before you. Um, how do you play it? Yeah, good question. And, and the fact that she's four, I think, is the sort of um, a four-year-old is the sort of what it's all about. Uh, if she was five, I'd definitely go herding with her. Uh, and I think, as I said yesterday, uh, I, I, we're going to well if she's okay. Go and have a crack at the Henrietta Knight at Huntingdon uh, in three weeks' time, I think it is. Uh, and then um, probably work backwards. Probably go then straight into the and take on the boys at, at the Cheltenham at the Festival Bumper. And of course, she gets an allowance for that as well. I, I said all along, if we did go down the Bumper route, she'll be lightly raced this year, and we can dream about the Novice Hurdle route next year. Um, but I, I, that's what I got in the back of my mind. Yeah, I haven't spoken to Alex Frost yet this morning, but I'll send him a video of her horse, of his horse, all, all sound and happy this morning. So, well, I'm sure we'll discuss over the coming days as well. It's been a it's been a tough couple of years for for you and and, and your family, Oliver. Um, you've not been well. You had cancer. You've had to move yards. Uh, there's an awful lot of goodwill in the industry towards you and. Titania and your and your whole team. How much does a, a win like yesterday's mean to you all? Oh, it means everything. Um, and uh, thank you, Nick. Uh, everybody's been very, very, uh, just unbelievably humbling. The whole thing is, you know. Um, and as I said, I've said to people, it's not so much for me. Okay, I was ill, but it's worse for um, Tanya, my wife, and my four children who had to sort of sit and suffer and see me go through it and the same with anybody i was blown away when i went to have my first checkup the other day i said the other day a couple of months ago and to be told that there's one in 2.2 people have either had or got some sort of cancer and i find that staggering that's every, virtually every other person so i you just deal with the cards you're dealt and you, it's how you deal with them and my team rallied around fantastically i as I said, I haven't got the numbers. I'd like more horses. I, I, would, I couldn't train 200 horses. I'd be in my grave even earlier, I can tell you that. But I'd like more horses. Uh, but everybody's been fantastic. And it was just very humbling to walk into the winner's enclosure at Cheltenham yesterday. And so many goodwill messages. It's just fantastic and, uh, and lovely. Training can be a, a difficult and challenging job at times. But to, to what extent did getting out, being with the horses doing what you know best help you? Nick, absolutely immense. Um, we get out of bed and then, however, I think two or three days, I went down to the yard, uh, did a list or did a did the board and saw my analysis. Now to go back, I feel more. I think it only happened two or three times, but I, I was lucky in some respects. You had that reason to get out of bed, to go down and see them. Uh, if you were stuck, you were spent not sounding sort of that sense with not a reason to get out. That, 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 that is. Uh, so the horses were very instrumental in, in me getting on with life and, feeling, and getting better. Well, 
I think so many people in the sport so happy for yesterday's result, Oliver, and um, keeping our fingers firmly crossed that she continues to fly the flag. You've got a horse today at Fontwell. I know you think is is pretty good, McLean. Um, you're going down there to walk the course. Uh, how how good do you think he might be? Ah, uh, he's he's a work in progress. I, I, I've liked him. Um, he surprised me a little bit early last season because he was very well laid back and relaxed at home, and he was completely the opposite on the track, which is that's uh, it's a bit of a concern today in a small field. But um, uh, he's done fantastically well in the summer. Uh, he is, without sounding corny, he is the proverbial three-mile chaser. But he's better than that. He's better. He's he's a He's just a horse I really like, uh, a physically strong horse. Um, uh, this year is just going to be, if he can't be winning his two novice hurdles this year and a bit more, I'd be surprised. You know, But next year is going to be his year. Yeah, we're watching him now, finishing third to walking on air at Newbury, the Tim Sider white and red checks with a sheepskin noseband there. Um, Oliver, uh, thank you so much for, for chatting this morning. Looking forward to seeing you very soon. Thanks, Nick, and many thanks to everybody. Take care. Cheers.